Okay, there we go. I think we're ready to run now. If you would, open your Bible to the end of 2 Timothy this morning. We're wrapping up our study on 2 Timothy today, God willing. Um, now, you've heard this not too long. You're going to say, well, Roger, that sounds pretty familiar. Well, we did this basically at the end of the book of Acts. This is Paul's farewell, and we kind of introduce you to this passage um, in the book of Acts. Uh, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. It's a kind of a long passage. I'm just going to read you the whole thing to give you the um, the context, and then we'll start looking at it uh, in more in, in closer detail. Paul's all done, all right? This is the end of the ministry. He knows he's going to die soon. He knows he's going to be executed for his faith. He realizes that he is at the end. And he, this, is, this is his benedictory or his closing. He's going to say a few things to Timothy. He's going to talk about where he is. He's going to talk about God. And then he's going to give some personal things at the end. Let me just read the verses to you. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and we're in verse 6 through 22. For I am already, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also the who love his appearing. Verse 9, Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and hath departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the apartments. The parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May I not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me, so the message might be preached fully through me, that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed at Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in my leaders sick. Do your utmost to come to me quickly, um, to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Paulus, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. Farewell. Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, a very precious. I almost feel sometimes like we're intervening on a very personal, private conversation. But I think it expresses <coughs> Paul's heart for Timothy and Paul's heart for his ministry. Teach us from it. Help us to to see how important it is to continue on and on and on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Paul had stayed faithful. He says that several times. He, he tells people he writes to, stay at your task, don't give up, don't quit, complete the work, go on, don't stop, and even in trouble sometimes, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And there are times when it's hard to keep going, but we don't know how to keep moving forward. But Paul just says, keep going. And what we need to be doing in times like this is to be praying for God's wisdom, how we can move forward. So Paul says, but Paul says, now, the end has come. He says, I am ready. 
He said, I am being poured out in God's service. I, I, you know, I look at, this is a real challenge because what he's saying here is that we need to be willing for God to pour, out, to pour our lives into his ministry. And to, it's like the drink offering in the Old Testament where drink is actually spilled out and that's what our life ought to be in service. Constantly pouring our lives out for him. We talk about pouring our lives into people. We talk about pouring our hearts into something. And God, the ministry of serving God, the ministry of sharing Jesus Christ, the ministry of loving those around us, the ministry of being a good neighbor, the ministry of being good spouses and good citizens, all those are part of what we do as we pour our lives into God's ministry. And, to, and Paul said to Timothy here, my life has been consistently poured out. And that's kind of even a... The phrase is hard to describe... Remember Paul before he got saved? Anybody remember that in the book of Acts? What was Paul like before he got saved, lads? I want to kill Christians. And how did he do it? Just kind of laid back, taking it easy? Well, maybe I'll bump into some Christians today and I'll arrest them. How did he do it? He went to house to house arresting people. Anything else, AJ? Um, he went to different countries. He went, exactly! And the Bible says he did it like with a raging fire. He was obsessed with it. Remember the illustration? When he was out to kill Christians, he was crazy about it. I'm going to get those Christians. I'm going to go get them and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to have them arrested. I want them to see them die. I want to see them stoned to death. That's all I can do. Now it says he serves God with the same kind of intensity. He pours his life into serving God. I look at my life. I try to be a good Christian. I try to be a good pastor. I try to give my life to God and serve him. But can I say that I'm pouring my life into the ministry? I mean, really pouring my life? I tell you what, I've told you a couple times the Netflix show that was on about the book of Acts. And the guy who played Paul in there, before he got saved, he was raging against Christians. But after he got saved, all he could think about was telling people about Jesus. He didn't care where he was. He didn't care who he was talking to. All he could do, and at the very last scene has them in Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem, right, with Barnabas? He in Jerusalem and Barnabas, and he's, they're, they're outside of the doors of the temple. And Barnabas is a really neat character. He's, I like the guy who played him. And all of a sudden, Paul goes, Paul goes charging towards the doors of the temple. Barnabas says, where are you going? And he rips the doors of the temple open, and he goes in, I'm going to preach! In the temple. That's the kind of man Paul was. That's why he could say, my life is being poured out for the ministry. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, and boy, that's a precious book to read. If you ever want a book, want, want to read a Bible book to read before bed, it takes you about 15 minutes to read Philippians. Precious, precious book. Paul says this in Philippians 2.17, Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you. I'm glad to see my life poured out for Jesus. I'm glad that I can do it. Sometimes, I have to tell you, sometimes, this is a little known secret, sometimes the ministry, I hope people don't think too poorly of me, can seem like a real drudgery, to be honest with you. It gets tough. We plot away. We try to bungle through something like this crisis and the lockdown. You try to get your work your way through it and do the best you can. And Mary gets, poor Mary, I, I feel, I feel so sorry for this woman. She gets to hear all of my rants and all of my complaints. She gets to hear me complaining and all the stuff I do. And she takes it so patiently. And she lovingly, as a godly wife, sometimes corrects me when she needs to. But it's tough. And 
Paul says, you know what? I do this joyfully also in the book of Philippians. He said, Paul said, I'm kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. I really want to go to heaven to be with Jesus. But I love giving my life for you. My life for you. And that's where he is here. The time has come to the end. It's time to go, he says. He says, I've come to the end. Um, I'm ready to be poured out. The time of my departure is at hand. It's time. He knows his ministry is done. He says a couple of things. He says, first of all, he says, I've got, I fought the good fight. Um, I fought the good fight. Picture of a soldier there. And soldiers are such a tremendous picture of this idea of fighting. I fought the good fight. He says earlier in the book, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And soldiering is tough. I grew up in a military family. My whole life, I was going to be a military man. I was, well, I was going to be a military man. And after I retired, I was going to run for president in 2016. Um, in that previous life, after I had a good flourishing military career and I'd become a general and all that, I was going to retire, go into politics, and then run for president. Anyway, I know the military life. I admire the military life greatly. But it's tough. Climbing in the, in the old days, climbing into a foxhole. I watched troops marching, and I don't like to even walk Jasper in the mist. But when you're marching into war, I mean, it's Bucketing down. One of my one of my favorite scenes of soldiering is from the play Henry V, the tele, the um, BBC production of Henry V, and they show the soldiers marching towards Agincourt, and they're wearing all that armor and all that metal stuff, and it's bucketing down rain. And all I'm thinking about is that water seeping through, and it's seeping into their butt, and it's just I think about their underclothes and how their underclothes are soaking wet, and all that metal on the outside, and how miserable it be some of these guys like being wet they love that kind of thing but it's a tough thing that's just a picture of how tough it is Paul says I fought this good fight I've stayed faithful um, he also talks he another illustration you know Paul talks about boxing in one place in the scripture Paul loved sports he said I, I, when I fight I don't fight like a boxer punching at the air you know what shadow boxing is Shadow boxing is when you, when you see your shadow and, and, and I box with these boys all the time. Not some of the big ones anymore, cause they're gonna hurt if they hit me back. But, I mean, he said, I don't fight like somebody punching the air. He said, I fight with a purpose. He said, I don't want to be a castaway. I fought the good fight. And he fought the fight to the very end. And we know from scripture that we're not fighting this war with carnal weapons. And my goodness, are we in a war. I heard Dr. MacArthur's message from last Sunday. John MacArthur's message. I listened to it in the Sunday mornings. And I heard him this morning talking about Jesus coming back again. And he's talking about the, the fact that this world's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And evil men and seducers are going to get worse. The world's going to get worse. We can't fix this world. It's not going to happen. I don't care what kind of legislation we get passed. We're not going to fix this world through politics. It's just not going to happen because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. We can't fight that battle with carnal weapons. Yes, should, should you go and vote wisely? Yes, you should absolutely. That's part of being a good citizen. Should you make wise decisions? Of course you should. But we're not going to fix things that way. We're only going to fix things as you and I act one person at a time to one person at a time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and see people's hearts change. They, 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 they change from hearts of hatred and bitterness to hearts of love. That only comes through Jesus Christ.
And that's what he meant by fighting, by fighting this fight. He says, I've finished my race. He, I, I, it's one of the reasons I think Paul wrote Hebrews. Because he, the, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, We have a great cloud of witnesses. He says, Therefore, because we have these witnesses of the Old Testament who've gone on before us, we have this great cloud of witnesses watching us. Therefore, he said, Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. We take off the, the sins, we take off the burdens, and we run with patience the race that's set before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the author and the completer of our faith. As we run our race, we're not doing that race to to accomplish the goal of going to heaven because Jesus has already done that. He says, I've been faithful in running the race and I've constantly kept my eyes on Jesus Christ. He says, I've kept the faith. All through this, he never denied his faith. He remembered the day on the Damascus Road when God knocked him off his horse, showed him the vision, and Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He remembered the day that he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And that kept him plodding away and plodding away and plodding away. I'm saved, I think, 45 years now, basically. 46 years, something like that. Mary's coming up. Mary's going to be saved 50 years in the next year or two, right? Next year, Mary's going to be a Christian 50 years. I mean, she got saved before she was born. Look at her. I mean, 50 years she's going to be saved. And I've slipped up along the way. I've made stupid, ignorant mistakes. I had, I had a blessing for me this week. Um, somebody mentioned the first, they, they had just preached their first message. And I went back and I found my very first message. I actually had recorded it. And I listened to it. And I was 19 years old. I'd been saved less than a year. And I had no Bible college training. But I tell you what, that young preacher did a good job of sharing the gospel. I preached on Easter at a nursing home and said, people say, well, why should you get saved? And I gave the answer, and, and when should you get saved? And now's the day of salvation. And why should you, because you, because if you don't get saved, you're, this guy, 19 years old, I said, because if you don't get saved, you're going to spend eternity in hell. Okay. Um, I, 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 that's a, anyway. He says, and if you don't get saved and Jesus comes back, you're going to go through the tribulation. That's why. When? Today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Be saved now, today. And I went through several Bible examples of that. Then how to be saved? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Admit you're a sinner and put your faith in Jesus Christ. It was a flat-out gospel message. Now, I wish I could say with Paul that I have constantly kept the faith. I doubt. I have doubted. Sometimes I still have doubts in my mind. Not about my faith. I know I'm saved. But how about the faith for daily living? Sometimes that wavers. Sometimes I don't know how... I don't have a clue how we're going to get through this thing. But, you know, the Paul said, I've kept the faith. And I don't think Paul was perfect either. He meant he'd stuck with the faith all the way through. He never let his faith waver. Say, then I have a reward laid up in heaven, this crown of righteousness. The crown of, I, I don't want to get into the teaching all about the, the crowns of, of the, of the crowns that Jesus gives, of the eternal crowns. He talks here about the crown of righteousness. As you look at that verse, Paul says the crown of righteousness is laid up for all those who love his appearing. And Paul was looking for the coming of Jesus Christ way back then. And my goodness, do we love the idea of seeing Jesus again. We're going to see him one of, one of, yeah, one of two ways. 
We're either going to die. If you're saved, you're going to die and go to heaven to see Jesus. Or Jesus is going to come back at the rapture and take us out to be with Him. Either way, it's nothing for us to dread. I look forward to it. Almost, I mean, at times like this, when things are this bad, I want to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. But then I think about like Paul thought, but there's people I love who need to be saved. But man, even so, come Lord Jesus. And Paul says, if you're loving His appearing, God's going to give us a crown of righteousness. Now the Bible teaches that whatever crowns we earn, we're going to have the joy of casting our crowns at Jesus' feet when we get to heaven. And I'd love to have a handful of crowns to lay at His feet, wouldn't you? How, I mean, we can't say thank you for what He's done. But wouldn't you like to have a couple of crowns to cast at His feet when we get to heaven? He has the crown of righteousness coming. And for all those who love His appearing. But then He says, my heart's broken. He's all by Himself. He says, please come quickly. He's going to repeat that then. He's going to say, come before winter. He needs His coat. He needs His scriptures. Um, in addition to all the beatings and shipwrecks that He'd been through, and the imprisonments and the snake bites, virtually His entire team had left Him for a couple of reasons. Some had left Him because they betrayed him. Demas, he says, forsook me because he loved the things of this world more than the things to come. And I've had hap- that's happened to us. I've had people, I've had people come, we've worked with in the ministry before, who just, it, they, they, this was a tough place to serve and they just, they missed their American stuff and went back. I can't judge their hearts, but from all appearance, they, they, they just could not do without their stuff. Demas did that to Paul. Um, he loved this present world more than he loved God. Uh, Alexander did him much evil. He says Alexander the coppersmith did him much evil. You beware of Alexander. Watch out for him. But then others, we see. Let me, let me get back where I was here. Um, Demas has forsaken me. He loved this present world. He went, went back to Thessalonica. Christians went to Galatia. Titus for Dalmatia. Then he says only Luke is with me. He said Luke stayed with me. And he's the only one here now. Then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, um, for he is useful to me for the ministry. That's so precious. I love Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke was always faithful. You see him writing the book of the book of Luke. You see him writing the book of Acts, recounting everything that happened. And Dr. Luke is still there with him at the end. He tells Timothy, you read through Timothy, he's talk, constantly talking about how much he missed him and how much he wanted to see him. And how much he treasured Timothy. He wanted to be there with him. Timothy, come see me. He's telling Timothy, you know, come before winter. Uh, I need my coat. It's going to be cold. I need my books. I need my scriptures. Um, But only Luke was still there. But then some of the guys he had sent on to their own ministries. They weren't there because they... And then he says, John Mark. I I love that picture. Do you know the story of Paul and John Mark? Anybody know the story of Paul and John Mark? Anybody know it? When, he and, when Paul and Barnabas were part, missionary partners and Barnabas came along, I think John Mark was his nephew, is that right? I think he's his, I think he was, he was related to Barnabas somehow. And John Mark, Paul wanted, or Barnabas wanted to take John Mark onto his missionary team. He said he's proven himself faithful, he's young, he can do the ministry. Paul said, no way, no how, I've watched this guy, he's screwed up a few times, I don't want him on our missionary team. And it got so hot, that Paul and Barnabas split as missionary partners. Barnabas and John Mark went one way. We don't hear much about them. And Paul and um, Silas went the other way. So Paul had rejected John Mark earlier on. But something happens as you get older. Um, I don't know what it is. 
I heard somebody, when you hit 50, you either get more crotchety or you get more loving when you hit 50. And I found out that's true for a lot of folks. I hope I've become more loving since I was 50. But all of a sudden, Paul is saying, you know what? John Mark would be a great help. Bring him with you when you come. Can you imagine how John Mark must have felt about that? When Paul wanted him back. What a heart. This man's heart just amazes me. I want to spend a thousand years. Um, I don't know how heaven's going to work. I, I don't know whether we can all talk to Paul individually while we're in a, in a group. I don't know. But man, I love this guy. I love his heart. He's so gruff sometimes. He's so... He can almost be belligerent at times. He, has, he fights and argues with other pastors and other ministers. And yet, man, his heart is just... You see his heart poured out. John Mark is profitable for the ministry. What a wonderful way of picturing, picturing somebody who has learned to forgive and learn to move on. So he says, bring John Mark with you when you come. Uh, he says here, and then he said, the guys he sent off someplace else, he says, I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Um, he says, bring the cloak that I left and, and bring the books and the scriptures. Bring them with you. Paul, it was obvious. That, I love the practicality of God's word. It's going to get cold. Come before winter and bring my coat. Bring the scriptures. He says, especially the parchments. Most Bible scholars think that the parchments were the scraps of the word of God that he had. Paul was, di- was desperate to read the word of God. He was desperate to read the writings of other Christians of his time. Bring them with you when he come. Uh, but then he says, you know, Alexander, he said, you know, let Alexander suffer the consequences of what he did. But some of the other guys, he just says, you know, don't hold to their charge. Uh, you know, don't hold it. He said, I was all by myself. And he says, Father, don't hold it to their charge. It's kind of like Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. Kind of like Stephen saying, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. What a, what a tender, compassionate heart. But he says, but despite that, Despite the fact that everybody's left me, despite the fact that I've been left lonely and destitute and all by myself, and I've been here in jail, and only Luke is here with me, only Luke is by my side, and and, and he's he's complaining about those who left him, but he he also just lonely because he knew the guys had to go do their ministries. So it was just a natural loneliness. And he says, verse 17 and 18, and I love this picture, and there's where the application really comes true for us. Verse 17 and 18, but the Lord stood with me. God doesn't leave. Remember those 12 or 13 weeks of isolation? When we could barely see anybody? Remember those? When we couldn't even go two kilometers? And some of us were going stir crazy? I wanted to see my grandkids? Desperate? I wanted to come to church and be with my church family. I wanted just to spend time with my friends. I wanted to meet people for a cup of coffee. It was a lonely time, wasn't it? Thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wave my hands in the air. Clap my hands and do a Pentecostal dance. We're able to meet together. But that was a lonely time. But he said, you know what? The Lord stood with me during that time. And the Lord strengthened me. The Lord gave me the ability to get through all those struggles. And as we keep moving forward, and guys, we don't have any idea where this virus thing is going to take us. We don't have a clue. And it doesn't make any difference whether what's happening is justified or not. 
Doesn't make any difference the political ramifications. It's going to happen. And we need to be aware that God is with you. The book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writes that um, be content with what you have because the Lord has said I will never ever leave you or forsake you. And I've, I've mentioned that Hebrew word in he, or Greek word in Hebrews to you before. That word I will never ever leave you or forsake you. We don't have a strong enough word in English to, to, to translate that word. Kind of a rough translation would be he will never ever ever no way no how in no wise under any circumstance never ever 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 will God leave you. No matter what. When he's our God, we put our faith in him. Jesus said, um, those who are saved, he said, I've got them in the palm of my hand. And then the Father has us in his hand. And you, you can never be taken away. And over this whole picture of being being in Jesus' hand, and God the Father over that, I don't have another hand, but all around that is the seal of the Holy Spirit. God says, when you're saved, I will never, ever, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. And Paul said during the worst times, during that shipwreck, during those imprisonments, during those beatings, during that getting bit by that snake, all the things I've been through, being opposed, being left alone, being neglected, all the hardships Paul went through, Paul said, God was with me. And next, God gave me the strength. Boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes I feel awfully weak doing God's service. I feel awfully insufficient. I feel awfully powerless. But the Bible says here that God is with me to give me the strength I need. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says here, Paul says about God, God will give me the strength. And look at verse 17. Why does he give us the strength? That the message might be preached fully through me. That the Gentiles might hear. And he says, I've delivered out of the mouth of the lion and things he's been through. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work. God will preserve me um, for his heavenly kingdom. God will give us the strength. The Lord God is my strength. He's my high tower. We don't have to be strong enough to get through this. We don't have to be strong enough to get through any crisis because God will be our strength. He says uh, he gives me the strength to preach the gospel that the Gentiles would be saved. He said God will be with me and God is going to deliver me, <coughs> deliver me at the end. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through trials. Paul's life is an example of that, isn't it? He went through trials. But God strengthened him. And whatever we're facing over the next few months, and I wish I was, no, I don't wish I was a prophet because it might be bad. I don't want to know about it if it's bad. Whatever we're going to go through over the next few months, God says, I'll be with you and I'll strengthen you. And all I want you to do is be faithful. All I want you to do is stay true. All I want you to do is to share your love, the love of Christ with those around you. Just stay faithful and I'll be with you no matter what happens. He says, I'm going to carry him through. God says, he'll deliver him through the end. And then God says, hallelujah, God's going to welcome him, welcome Paul into his heavenly kingdom. And what a day that what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I stand before his face. What a day that's going to be. And it's coming if, when we stay true to him. And finally, Paul's last farewell. I'm sad coming to the end of the two, I'm, I'm sad coming to the book, at the end of Second Timothy. It's been a wonderful book. Then he says these things. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Some of your translations have Priscilla and Aquila. It's, remember who Aquila and Priscilla were? They were the husband and wife tent makers who taught, um, what's his name? Huh? Apollos. Apollos, yes. They were the husband and wife 
tent makers who taught Apollos the scripture. That's been very close friends of Paul. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Greet the household of Anisphorus. You know, Anisphorus is a neat character. He's also mentioned um, in another, passage, another book of scripture. Paul tells him to stay faithful to his ministry. He says, Erastus and Trophimus, uh, I've left them. And he comes to the end. I can almost sense the tears in Paul's eyes. I can almost see the teardrops falling on the parchment. That's if he wrote it. That was a bad illustration because I think he had somebody else be his scribe. So. But I can see tears welling up in his eyes as he says these things. Do your best to come before winter. He didn't know how long he would live and come before winter. It's going to get cold. Eusebius, meet, greet you, as well as Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. Come see me. Please hurry. I don't much have, don't know how much time I have. But then finally, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. God be with your spirit. I don't know what we're going through. I don't know what we're going to go through. But when we go through those tough times, you might want to look back to this last section of 2 Timothy. I've been through all these troubles. I've been betrayed. I've suffered. But God was with me. And God strengthened me. And wherever we're facing now, God will give us strength to get through it. Can you imagine the reunion in heaven when Timothy finally died and went to see Paul? The reunion they had. It's also a great picture of what our fellowship should be. It we're only a, a small-ish fellowship. We're a family. But is that the kind of love we have for each other? Do we have that Paul-Timothy love for each other that we yearn to be with each other? I, I put on Facebook this morning, I needed to see my church family today. It was just one of those days. And I'm leaving here just about in bits because God gave us each other. That kind of compassion. We don't have time to fight each other. We don't have time to fight other Christians. Jesus is coming. We need to treasure those fellowships. And remember, no matter how bad it gets, God says, I'm with you. I won't forsake you. I'll be your strength at the very worst of your troubles. Father, we thank you for your time together this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now as we go our way. Thank you for the reminder from Scripture uh, that Paul had. What a precious little section of Scripture. We see Paul's love and compassion for his young disciple. Now be with us, Lord. Guide us through this week. Give us strength and guidance no matter what comes our way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks very much. You can you can you can stay for a little bit, but if you're going to spend a lot of time chatting, we're probably better to go outside so we're so we're not um, we're not violating social distance. There's a cash offering box at the back if you want to give cash offerings. Otherwise, um, get contact details from Jay. The Wi-Fi worked this week too. Okay, how much are they going to be each? Okay. Did you get one for me?
Oh, sure is, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I didn't get in touch with you there. Oh, that's not a problem. No, that's fine. I figured I figured it was a bad week at work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this um this week should be fine. Um, I don't even I don't I think I've got to get my car test tomorrow morning. And I've got a student for an hour. Tuesday afternoon is bad. I've got two meetings. But let me know. I'd love to get together. You can come to the house for a cup of coffee, or we can go someplace for a cup of coffee. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. up to you. Let me know what's best for you. I will. I'll fire a couple of dates at you. Okay. All right. Okay, Doke. Let me stop this. Good.